The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is Thursday, if you're hearing this, the day it comes out, which means it is time for our weekly listener mail segment. Uh, we've received... As always, thankfully, uh, quite a bit of correspondence about any number of things, uh, so much so that I don't know about my colleagues here, but I've started just storing things up weeks and weeks in advance and hoping mm -hmm. I can get to it eventually. Uh, today, we're traveling around around the world, and we're going to see some, some very different things. We're going to see some uh, classic stuff they don't want you to know, I would argue, a little bit of hidden history some inexplicable sightings, and the darker side of some new technology. I think it still counts as new. Uh, there's one 
you know, Noel, that, that you found that I really appreciate because I, I had heard about this case before. But I'm really interested to learn more about it, especially because it sounds like an episode of Tales from the Crypt or oh, uh, Amazing Stories. Uh, well, it is an episode of Unsolved Mysteries um, from, I think, the early 90s. I uh, love with uh, what Robert Stack, um, who I think we all grew up enjoying. Um, but yeah, this uh, email comes to us from Jake. Uh, he writes, hello, I just recently started listening to the podcast and I love it. Thanks, Jake. I am from Elma, Washington, which is about 15 minutes from Oakville. I'm not sure if you guys have heard about the Oakville blobs, but here's a couple articles about it. He links out to some helpful articles, one of which comes from the Unsolved Mysteries. Mysteries fandom wiki, uh, which is also a great rabbit hole, great for, for mining for some interesting, weird stories. Uh, there are multiple different theories, he goes on, about why and what it is. We have one of the biggest military bases in the U.S., uh, Joint Base Lewis McCord, which one of the theories is uh, that they were testing in Oakville. It still remains a mystery to this day. It's true. So just to set the scene, um, it was, let's see, August 7th, 1994, a police officer uh, was, this is how the Unsolved Mystery kind of sets it up, police officer was going about his rounds, his patrol, and all of a sudden it started raining. It wasn't any normal rain. When he turned on his windshield wipers, instead of the rain just kind of, you know, sloshing away, this weird gelatinous substance started to smear all over his windshield to the point where he couldn't see and uh, he had to pull over. And smartly, he put on some latex gloves and went and checked it out, picked up this stuff. And uh, it was this like squishy jello type material, but it was precipitating, you know, from the sky. Um, and it would go on to be sighted six times in three weeks, this uh, jelly rain or uh, the Oakville blobs, as, as it's referred to, um, you know, regionally, I guess. Um, here's the crazy part, though. Uh, other people reported experiencing this too, like I said, over the course of three weeks, six sightings, but people began to be seriously sickened in Oakville, uh, starting with the detective himself or the, or the policeman himself, um, like flu-like symptoms, uh, really bad vomiting and, uh, you know, headache and dizziness and nausea. Um, and it, it would last sometimes from like a week to several months, like seriously weird symptoms that were seemingly widespread. Um, and there's a couple of theories about this. Like Jake said, there is this military base that's nearby. Um, and this is, of course, in the Pacific Northwest. So they're right off the Pacific Ocean. And oftentimes, Air Force or, you know, military will run drills uh, over the ocean in terms of bombings, right? They'll, they'll test out ordnance. Uh, and one of the theories is, this is my favorite one, I think I'm just going to lead with it, is that uh, a military bombing test um, exploded a like school of jellyfish that then um, were pulled that like their guts went everywhere so high that they were pulled up into rain clouds like stored there or something and then precipitated out over the course of three weeks and six different times. I think that's probably one of the uh, least likely scenarios. Uh, it's it's a weird one, though, but it doesn't seem to check out in terms of just like, you know, reality. I don't know how that would work. I'm not a weatherman, but it just doesn't seem like that would, um, you know, I don't think clouds can hold jelly, but maybe they can. I don't know. Who am I to say? Uh, another theory is that it was, you know how like when planes uh, supposedly, like, I think they're not supposed to do it over civilian populations. I think they do it over the ocean sometimes. But, you know, planes 
when they dump out the excrement and the waste, you know, from the bathrooms, the lavatories on the planes. Um, that was one of the theories, too. But here's something I didn't know. Maybe you guys did. Um, did you know that when airplanes dump that stuff, and it, you ever notice that toilet's like this chemical toilet and everything's blue? It's yeah. dyed blue for a reason, mm-hmm. so people can identify, you know, what it is. Um, and this stuff was definitely not blue. It was, it was very... It was translucent, I would say, um, and like I said, very, very gelatinous, but almost like whitish, kind of cloudy and translucent. Um, and then my favorite theory, and the one that I don't know if it's addressed, and I didn't watch the entire Unsolved Mystery, I just watched a few clips, but uh, this seems like a relatively uh, newer development. Uh, there's actually the most amazing YouTube video. Uh, the channel is called... Night Terrors, and it's hosted by this dude. Um, I don't think he's not even named on the channel, but I swear he reminds me of like some character out of like an old Universal monster movie. He kind of speaks like this, and he makes these very extreme pauses. Um, and it's it's a delight. I highly recommend you checking it out. But he's got a video that claims that the Oakville Blobs mystery is solved. I'll get to that theory in a second. But one of the coolest ones is that this was actually a uh, matrix. This material was a matrix um, material designed to carry biological weapons, weaponized disease, essentially. There were some um, analyses done of this material, one of which found that it contained human white blood cells. Um, And then another one found that the, the cells from these blobs had no nuclei. I'm not sure what that points to, but I mean, it seems to me like it's some advanced substance that we don't know about, I guess. Don't most cells have nuclei? This is this is new to me. Um, but yeah, it contained human white blood cells. And then when it was analyzed by the Washington State Department of Ecology's Hazardous Material Lab, they did find that it contained several types of bacteria, uh, one called Pseudomonas florensis and one called Interbacter colicae. Um, and the theory is that, uh, again, this guy, Sonny Barclift, um, whose mother got sick, he kept a sample of it and he sent it to the Washington state health lab, uh, who then assigned, um, a researcher or I guess, a you know, disease specialist or whatever you want to call it named Mike McDowell, um, to check out what this was. And Mike uh, was able to, you know, do a battery of tests. Um, he was able to, he was trying to test it to see if it would grow anything. Um, and it actually grew those two different types of bacteria that we're talking about. It was then locked away in a containment locker, a containment facility. Uh, and when Mike continued to research it, uh, he went back to check on the material, but it was gone. It had gone missing. And he said that it was the first time in 30 years of his career that uh, a sample that he had in his control had gone missing. So, yeah, it's like was someone trying to cover their tracks? Someone at this lab? Maybe they they knew that it would, you know, that, that it would trace back to them. How do you get it to rain down like that? This is like a cloud seeding, you know, with with jelly. I don't understand that part. Uh, what do you guys think? It's pretty cool uh, and it remains relatively unsolved. There is a theory that it's this stuff called star jelly, but we could talk about that in a second. But what hits you about this immediately? Yeah. So uh, longtime listeners know that I'm someone who, who you know, grew up on unsolved mysteries, stuff like this. I, I absolutely love it and I'm fascinated. Uh, so it 
falls to me uh, to have to, with great regret, play a little bit of, I wouldn't say bad cop, but maybe may, maybe bust some myths about this that uh, that program propagated. The stuff didn't fall on a town, right? It fell on a nearby farm. It's about the size of a grain of rice. And, and like many people, I originally assumed it was aircraft ejecta. It's what it's called or blue ice. Right. But, uh, that's the one. I forgot about that term. Yeah. So one thing that's immediately clear is sources don't agree on how many people did or did not get sick. Um, and there have been there have been other sources, usually one of the more skeptical side who uh, argue that illnesses not related to this were later attributed to it. So we'd need to do some more digging there. Totally. But one thing um, one thing I can say for sure is human error can play a part in this. Uh, the objection to the idea of eject <laughs> the ejection of the idea of ejecta from the conversation hinges on the hinges on the practice of applying this deodorizer powder to waste in an airplane. So that's why mm -hmm. it turns blue when it's dumped. But if people are in a hurry or if they have poor logistics or you know something goes wrong, someone forgets the deodorizer, then it doesn't have to be blue. So it could be mistakes were made in the sky, but that's further complicated because I don't think we have a lot of a lot of information on how many planes were or were not flying in the area. So I'd be interested in digging back into this, but I, I don't want to monologue you guys because I'm just kind of free associating this stuff. Mm. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, I'm having the same issue of finding concrete information about what actually happened in 1994 but i'm reading something from the bbc's science focus magazine mm -hmm. and they're just mentioning they mentioned that two forms of bacteria two types of bacteria were found mm -hmm. to exist within the thing so those are the ones i mentioned earlier they kind of grew it they were able to grow them you know culture them from some of the samples yeah exactly i wasn't seeing anything about the having no nucleus or anything like that i'm just not seeing that hard data anywhere I'm interested to know if there is some kind of explanation, as you said, star jelly possibly being one or some kind of amphibious um, species, you know, laying eggs and creating some of the some of the substances that some amphibian species create when they're going to go through that process. I don't know what I did. You see anything about polyacrylate? Yeah, yeah, sodium polyacrylate. The, there was like an instance, I believe, in 2012 in Bournemouth, England, where polyacrylate uh, absorbed water from a storm and began to, it like literally spontaneously formed these gelatinous blobs, like in midair. Hmm. But I don't know much about that substance. What did you find, Matt? Uh, nothing. It's literally just mentioned in this Science Focus article. That's what I was asking about it. It's a polymer. Uh, let's see. It's acrylate polymers are a group of polymers prepared for, again, I'm reading this from Wiki, uh, acrylate monomers. They're plastics, um, and they're like almost like a – it looks like a rubbery-type substance. And if you look at somebody holding it in its manufactured form, it does have – it's almost got a salty look, like like a heavy rock salt that's wet. Um, but you can see it almost forming like a – Almost snow, but like looks mm. has this kind of a squishy look to it. So I could imagine that there could be like a gelatinous, uh, you know, texture to it. Weird. It's super weird. And and again, it was just interesting that uh, Jake, you know, grew up. I'm sure that living in the area, it almost become like the stuff of of, of myth. You know, um, mm -hmm. 
and it's forever preserved uh, in the uh, amazing Unsolved Mysteries that we all know and love. So, um, yeah, that's that one. I'm going to take a quick break and then come back with some more. Sounds good. Okay. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Okay, and we are back, and we are jumping to a message we received from Bronze Ranked Boomer. That sounds promising, you guys. Is that a, is that a gamer thing? It sounds like it might be. Uh, let's jump into it. There's a lot here. We're not going to read everything you wrote to us, but we're going to jump into some of these concepts. Jumping to the email. I just want Noel to be more familiar with the dark side of Twitch since his daughter is a fan of it. 
Make sure she just sticks to Minecraft streamers. <laughs> yeah. She kind of self-censors. Like, I don't really worry about her, like, venturing too far into the dark corners of Twitch, but it's good advice. And uh, I didn't realize how quite how dark it got. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Uh, says Matt, you'll like Legends of Runeterra since you like MTG. And Ben, you're cool and much better than the Quizster. Oh, snap. I hope the Quizster never hears that. Don't speak yeah. his name. I one more time, right? And then he appears. No, it's two more times. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like Candyman. Yes. And uh, let's just keep going here. I just listened to your episode about FaZe Clan and crypto, and I wonder if you're aware of the dark side of Twitch streaming. If you aren't aware, Twitch is a website that allows, yes, we know what Twitch is. Should we say what Twitch is? It's a streaming service where it allows users to view and interact with content creators. People think of it as strictly like a gamer platform where like people become famous as Twitch streamers because they're commenting and being cute and funny and making jokes while they're like playing Fortnite and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Bronze Age continues on to say that there is a dark side of sponsors on Twitch. He says... Sponsors are a huge part of a streamer's income on Twitch. It's like YouTube, where people get monetized. Also, there are sponsors that support Twitch in general and run commercials throughout all partnered Twitch streamers. Double the ads! However, their sponsors can be shady, like the crypto issue. There was another issue that came up not long ago on the subreddit Livestream Fail, where there was a large uh, issue concerning gambling. For example, there's a streamer named XQC, He literally had ads and promo codes for gambling websites. Kids would watch him make a lot of money and get inspired to join. They'd be able to, they would make a lot of money gambling. And that's a new concept. Um, But he says then they'd be able to access the website through VPNs to get around the age restriction. Interesting. And there's another streamer who moved to Canada to avoid the legal disputes with gambling. There are a lot of clips, screenshots, and proof that these streamers knew what they were doing, taking advantage of folks. This is the current drama, and it's easy to search gambling through the subreddit. You'll get a lot of posts. How can you use a VPN to bypass age restrictions? Isn't that kind of just honor system? Like, they just, like, ask you your age? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not sure how that would actually function in practice. I know if you have if you use something like Brave Server and and you use their tour services that they offer you can get around some things like that so i'm assuming using a vpn could also get around some some kind of restrictions that maybe i'm just not aware of in the past there were a lot of issues about loot boxes csgo skins you know talking about gambling you know from just the setup of a game where you have to pay to get a chance to get something good and then you'll pay a lot of money to increase your chances uh and then let's jump down here to the part where bronze ranked boomer mentions the dark side of just chatting Uh, He says Twitch does not only cater to gamers. You can stream almost anything. And there's a category called just chatting. And that is the, I think, where the interesting conversation happens here. Because for a long time, that platform was specifically to watch people game. We've mentioned Twitch before and how it's evolved over the years to do things like art. I think they called it creative back in the day where you could do all kinds of different things. Like Bob Ross, but like on the Internet. And, you know, for sure. And it's just a way for a a content creator to have an audience, essentially, that's live that can interact with them, right? That's really what what the whole point of the platform is, to have a live audience interaction. Um, So just to compare it to what we're doing right now, there's four of us on a Zoom chat, and we're talking to each other like this. We're having a conversation, but the audience is only here because we're bringing, you know, everybody else into the conversation through these messages. 
in this case, it's all live. It's all happening real time. And I think that's where at least bronze ranked boomer is maybe seeing some issues that are cropping up. Yeah, it's something like, you know, I was not fully aware of. I've always, you know, maybe it's it's not my platform of choice, but I was not fully aware of Twitch as being something outside of just gaming. Because, I mean, you know, there's YouTube Live, there's like Instagram stories and lives and all that stuff. There's so many other places to do what we're talking about. But Twitch is much more of like an active, engaged kind of community for that. But I didn't realize that it was practically venturing into like cam girl territory um somewhat pornographic in, in, in ways or like maybe not pornographic but problematic um some fetishy type behavior and like slightly kinky stuff am i am i overstating the case here isn't well, it that's certainly the picture that's being painted um by our emailer right that there's some some things that are maybe not appropriate for younger children right so twitch has been a place for younger people to go and watch someone play a video game for a long time. As it has evolved, there are many people who have issues with ah, some of these things. Yeah, Twitch, while this is the new technology I was kind of teasing at the top, but Twitch is you know very well established now. And for many people, it has become one of their primary modes of interaction but with this, with any new newer technology or platform, we see that there are there are any number of issues, right? Things that maybe tech gurus would call bumps in the road or areas of opportunity. That's a term that a lot of human resource departments work tend to use instead of the P word problems. What Boomer says, and, and again, Boomer, this is a quite this is a quite in-depth, thorough piece of correspondence. So we're going to summarize a little bit. Uh, And Matt, tell me if I get off base here. Uh, It seems like what Boomer is concerned about here is the line between what is or is not appropriate for, uh, for underage people to see or to do on these channels in some cases. Because to the earlier point that one of you guys brought up, it can be difficult to actually verify somebody's age online. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an incredibly easy process to circumvent. Uh, this, by the way, this morality argument is going to be one of the continuing arguments for further government control over internet access as well as monitoring. We're not too far away from a world wherein you will have to have uh, your state-issued ID on record with, you know, Comcast or whatever they're calling themselves nowadays, Xfinity. And this, you know, the the devilish thing about this argument is that there is validity to it. So it seems like what Boomer is saying is like these things can get out of hand very quickly. Would you say that's accurate, Matt? Uh, Yeah, it certainly seems that way. So I I don't know much about this at all, but I'll just tell you what I learned from the moment of receiving this literally half an hour ago to uh, talking about it right now. You can find a lot of the things that are being mentioned here in this email that we didn't even bring up, but a few of the things are weirdness happening where streamers were being banned by the platform for generally being odd, let's say, odd behavior. Mm-hmm. Would we consider that? Like uh, one person sure. was, and I'm not even going to mention the, the names here. You can look mm-hmm. it up if you'd like, but one person was wearing a horse head mask which isn't all that weird. That's a fun thing, silly thing to do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but they were, 
slamming said horse head mask into a 3DO microphone, one of those binaural microphones, and right. just like slamming their head into it <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. Um, in, in making horse noises and just being weird. Well, a lot uh, of these things that you're talking about, like, or, or this area would be considered extreme ASMR, you know, like using these binaural mics. And they're even like, you know, there was another, I think it's the horse mask girl is one of the ones. And then there's a, a guy um, who I think they work together. They at least, you know, communicate together who, or they make videos together, maybe, but they were like doing stuff like, like farting into like headsets, like gaming headsets and like licking the, the microphones and stuff and like doing this, you know, like borderline, borderline fetishistic type behavior. And, and, you know, also a little odd. And obviously these streamers get paid by the stream um, and the platform has, you know, its own standards or whatever. It's community guidelines. And so they were both banned and, and de- demonetized, you know, as you know, can happen. Um, so you're right. It, it is a moral thing where it's like, who is this for? How is this inappropriate? It, it is a weird thing because, as we said, the advertisers are somewhat the most important thing. They are the most important thing to the business of the company, Twitch, which is the, the big thing here. Um, so anytime you've got a popular person, no matter what they're doing, the company is being served, you know, on the bottom line. So then the company has to make a decision on whether or not that content, you know, offends enough people, I guess, to make a change depending on the, uh, how much they're actually making per uh, stream for that person. Yeah. Just to, just to interject, uh, I don't want to derail us. It's something I said off air in preparation for this episode, which may sound cynical, but I think ultimately, if you look at most corporations across the planet, most for-profit entities, there is a calculus made and things change when someone somewhere says the cost of the legal liability or potential legal action outweighs the, um, profit that we can reasonably mm. assume we'll make. So that's, I mean, and, and companies can talk about morality all the live long day, but I, I think there's a quantitative basis to those decisions. Hmm. Agreed. One of the big questions for me is how do you then restrict something like that? If you get enough pushback from enough people as a company to say, Hey, maybe this should be age restricted or something like that. Um, well, why would a, you not do yeah, that? Like, it's if, a, <laughs> It's another thing I um, think I may have mentioned briefly off air, which is that this goes into, in a legal sense, this goes into morality laws. What, you know, and what one person considers wholly appropriate is what other people would consider, you know, downright blasphemous, right? Uh, Even if they don't understand it, it may make them uncomfortable and they may be like, "Mm, no, the noises that person with a horse mask is making are just unclean right and this this is a huge issue in jurisprudence in general uh i would call attention to the case about whether or not james joyce's ulysses was pornographic or whether it was you know too basically too saucy to be sold Mm. in 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 the states because you know how would you put a good age requirement on that book similar problem Mm. right and so what they concluded was one of those famous uh, those <laughs> those famous rulings, like what is what is inappropriate? Well, they say pornography, but what is inappropriate? I'll I know it when I see it, and that's what right. people are still struggling with. And there's not really at this point, without fully knowing 
everybody who watches a piece of content or fully knowing the people who make it, there's and therefore tracking them, there's not really a way to cleanly come up with a policy. No, it's too open-ended. Isn't it interesting, though, that books and, and you know, publishing has never really had, like, parental advisory warnings the way music and video games do? I mean, there certainly are mean, books that... Other than nudie mags, right? No, I'm talking about <laughs> books, like like Tropical Cancer. You know, I mean, like, that is absolutely, there's pornographic uh, writing in there. But yet, you never see a book that says, must be 18 to buy or check out this book from the library. You know, there's no mm. age restrictions mm-hmm. on books, and there never no, has just, been. You just ban those books. Well, that's what I was saying. No yeah. That's exactly right. But I, I, I want to point out one thing you're talking about, like, how do you, you know, there, there's a lot of questions, but, like, on Twitch in particular, how do you, like, reconcile all this stuff? Like, what is Twitch? What is their mission? They did something really funny. Like, a lot of this uh, controversy came with this category of, like, hot tub videos where, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Twitch streamers um, are playing video games, I guess, in hot tubs, kind of scantily clad. uh, And it caused sort of an uproar. And so Twitch, rather than outright banning this hot tub content, which is obviously pretty popular, they created a category called... uh, pools hot tubs and beaches um and apparently the most popular stream in that category which now still can include these hot tub videos is uh, a a live stream a constant 24-hour live stream of these like otters at the vancouver zoo oh that's wholesome it's very wholesome so they sort of they sort of fix the problem you know you got to dig for the content a little bit more now i think maybe it was just like bait and switch kind of where people were thinking they were signing up for more traditional twitch streams and they were getting this slightly more like let's call it titillating content this Mm. is related i think this would be of interest to both you and our bronze boomer here bronze ring boomer uh as well as many other people listening along today there's another issue that has received some press quite recently on Twitch, which is the uh, rise of Twitch as an extremist platform. Yeah. Right? Like, morality is, or perceptions of morality are much harder to negotiate, or to, you know, legislate in a fair way or make a policy about. And a lot of times, you know, corporations aren't really incentivized to do it. But uh, Twitch has gone from, you know, beyond video games to being a great platform for anti-vaccination conspiracies and other, you know, people who are so far right that they got kicked off Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's the that's another facet of a larger thing that Boomer is talking about in, in the letter here. Yeah. And, and I'll give you just two quick examples. We'll get out of here. Uh, when we got this letter, I went to twitch.tv. It'd been a long time since I logged in, so I didn't have my login credentials. So I just went there as a random user that's not logged in. And Two of the first things I was presented with, uh, one of them is Amaranth, 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 I think is how you say it. Um, That person was mentioned in several of the stories that that our emailer mentioned, and she was dancing to a song in a pink bra, and there were 30,000 something people watching her. I just said, okay, well, that's what one person's doing. Went over to, clicked on the next one. It was a person named Hassan Abi or A-B-I. And that person was reading an article on Insider and responding to commentary. Both of these streamers were promoting their Instagram accounts. And I thought it, was be, it would be interesting to see, like, what, you know, if there's two people on here, they're both doing uh, what the emailer mentioned, just chatting. Let's just like look at the difference at 
what kinds of free speech are being you know exercised here uh one of the instagrams i would say i i think objectively suggestive images of one of the people streaming the other mm-hmm. one had images of a person doing all kinds of things including holding ar15s so you know you just wonder like where are the lines like you said been with with free speech should there be any lines uh what do you think how do you feel about Twitch, what have you experienced when you're on there? Is there a actually a dark side or is this more of a morality argument thing and that's it and we don't need to think about it anymore? You tell us. Uh, we look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks for writing in and uh, we'll be back with more listener mail. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
And we have returned for the final act of this week's listener mail segment. This is taking us to Bosnia, courtesy of a wonderful letter and a little bit of a funny story. Uh, First, get this nickname. I love, well, actually, just wait for the nickname at the end of this. I'll read this first letter and then uh, share what's going on. Hey, guys, I found your show last year and listen to it almost every day now. Thanks for always keeping the show so varied. There are two subjects which I find vastly interesting where I'm not sure if you have covered it. The first is Bigfoot. Oh, buddy, you're in the right place. We have. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Anyway, uh, the letter continues. I'm based in the United Kingdom and find the stories around the Sasquatch fascinating as they are all over the world with so many similarities that it seems impossible to believe it can be fake. The second topic is the Bosnian pyramids. I don't know much about it, but based on what I've read, there's a lot to discuss with a lot of mystery surrounding it. Keep up the great work and keep watching the skies. Yours skeptically, Zach Squash. <laughs> like like Sasquatch, but Zach Squatch. The, Love the it. nickname alone. Thank you so much, <laughs> Zach Squatch. So I did a search because we receive a lot of correspondence. I'll, I'll read correspondences about topics that kind of cycle in and out, often based on the news, because the news is its own sort of Ouroboros kind of recursive thing. And I wondered, because I'd also, similar to the story of the Oakville Blob when I was younger, I wondered uh, whether there was any sand to the idea of ancient pyramids. And Matt, back in the day, you and I did a pretty pretty good piece on non-Egyptian pyramids, I believe. Um, can't remember the exact year, but we may we did mention these a little, uh, but not not too much in depth. So I searched to see if other people had asked for it, and then I found the hopefully more endearing than embarrassing. And then I found that uh, back in 2020, the old man Bolin himself had written in about this, and I completely ignored his email. I think I may have forwarded it to you guys, but sorry, Dad, if you're listening. Now that someone else has asked, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry about that, we, <laughs> man. We did. I think it was. It was like what? What about the other pyramids or something mm-hmm. like that? It, yeah. it was in 2017. It was a long time ago. It's 2017. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great memory there, Matt. So here's what's going on. There, uh, there's a cluster of hills in central Bosnia and Herzegovina. And it's in an area called Visoko. This cluster of hills, if you look at it, does look like you could see why it looks like a pyramid, especially considering that so many natural uh, human made structures over time have been uh, like they've been taken back by nature, right? So they turn into mounds, or it's very, you could see uh, amazing ruins if you shaved the jungle to the ground, basically in Central America. I've included here a picture of the hills I'm talking about there in the Visico area. And would you guys like to describe them? I'd I'd love to hear your takes. Well, I'm looking at a pyramid that's covered with trees. That's what I'm looking at. It looks like a topiary, (laughs) like a massive bush that was like, you know, trimmed into the shape of a pyramid. You know, Ben, there's a similar one on uh, one of the links you provided, emerging-europe.com. It's just, I think it's just a slightly different angle of the same thing. And it really does, at certain angles, look like 
straight lines, uh, di- straight diagonal lines going down, mm-hmm. not, you know, not any kind of normal erosion happening on a on a slope. It's really weird. Right. Yeah. And uh, ding, ding, ding. You're on the money with the idea about angles. It's similar to reports of a large face on Mars from the right angle. It does look like a huge uh, face on Mars. However, this this story is, is a little more complicated, I think, because the primary claims are from an archaeologist, self-taught, named Sam Osmanagic. Uh, and uh, I may be mispronouncing the name here. Sam is the one of the primary champions of this idea. He says that 12,000 years ago, early Europeans in Bosnia didn't just build uh, pyramids. They built the largest ancient pyramids on the planet. Uh, he is a he himself is a Bosnian American businessman. He's been making these claims since at least uh, 2005. The problem is a lot of first a lot of people, sadly, Zach Squatch disagree, and sadly, Mister Bullet, they disagree because <laughs> the idea here is. The idea here is tantalizing, right? But uh, unfortunately, the other like research into this hasn't borne out uh, Sam's initial claims. Why does it sound kind of reasonable, to be honest with you? Well, it's because so many ancient pyramids exist, and we talked about this in our earlier episode, uh, due to the fact that human beings are all relatively... Uh, the same level of intelligence, right? And they all figured out at separate times that stacking rocks together with a larger base that tapers at the top is a really efficient way to build piles of stuff. Like, it's it's just gravity. Uh, This doesn't necessitate the presence of extraterrestrials or multidimensional entities. In this case, people were already saying that, you know, this guy was... uh, maybe being sincere, but definitely pseudoscientific. And they busted his claims a little bit, but he's he's claimed that there are tunnels around the hill complex that are part of an ancient man-made underground network. Uh, he claims to have found fossilized uh, plant matter in these tunnels dating back 34,000 years. Uh, he also hasn't really helped his case by claiming that there is unusual activity at the top of these pyramids that, you know, the locals consider hills. Uh, he says that there are w- standing waves he've in- he's encountered there that travel faster than light and prove the idea of a cosmic internet, which will allow you to communicate across the universe, uh, which may happen one day as scientific progress continues. He also believes in ancient astronauts. He claims human beings are the product of genetic engineering what I'm saying is for the rank and file of the academy, he's not he's not making a case for what they would consider to be his credibility. And if you, like you said, Matt, if you look at the hills from a different angle, they do not look as uh, pyramid shaped. They look much more rounded. They look less like man-made construction. And also, just to give you some context, fellow conspiracy realists, the article that Matt just mentioned earlier, emerging-europe.com, the headline of that article, the title of that article uh, is is pretty telling. It's by Nikola 
Dordovik. Uh, the title is, Are There Ancient Pyramids in Bosnia? Probably not. Unfortunately, because look, when we have, when we have to talk about stuff like this, or I don't know about, um, I don't know about my colleagues here, but when we have to talk about stuff like this, I want it to be real. If yeah. I wanted something, and you know, Matt, I know we're both I want to believers. Uh, can we yeah. say that? No, that's exactly what we're I want to believers. I think there's a B in there. Oh, it's um, a Justin Bieber thing. <laughs> yeah, he'll turn it around. It's tough work to be a musician, you know, as like it a really professional. Is. And no, yummy, I, no, yummy, I, I, yummy. I know, you know, you're on the same page. We have to be honest with ourselves and with the facts when we look at this stuff, but. Another thing that puts it in a weird light for a lot of people is, I, I think, a little unfair. It's that he's Bosnian-American. Mm. And the, so the idea is, oh, you discovered history's most important pyramids and they just happen to be where you're from. You know what I mean? I think that's an unfair accusation, but I can see why people might reject it. But also, how, how would you treat it if you were a local? Would you be in it for Heck the tourists? yeah, it's pyramids. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is is there, is there are there like secret doors? Like, I want to go inside. It looks like there's merch and stuff. Like, it's obviously something that the area has taken, made into almost like a making, make, trying to make the name for themselves, like a destination, right? Like, I see. That's just smart. It's super smart, but I also like. I want to know more. I want to go inside. Yeah, you, know? so you got to visit. You got to spend money at the cafes. Mm -hmm. You got to get the spend hats. a couple nights. <laughs> yeah, I see some pyramid Crocs almost like going on right. here. Uh, Placemat, like leather goods, things like that. I mean, yeah, pretty clever. Yeah, happening in Roswell as well. You know, it's it's happening in the small town that is associated with Mexico's zone of silence, which was I, I, in that previous episode. I think we. We we made a strong argument that it was knowingly a tourist. It was like designed to be a, a, a tourist attraction. But with this, the question is how much uh, this one champion of this idea genuinely believes in it. Since 2005, well, between 2005 to 2009, just four years, at the time there was an excellent article written about this in the Smithsonian, more than 400,000 people have visited the site and they were selling, you know, like you said, Noel, there's a lot of merch, piggy banks, clocks, flip-flops. You can eat, you can go to restaurants. See, this sounds fun. Uh, you can go to restaurants and you'll eat on pyramid-shaped plates. I guess that means triangles. I'm not sure. Like, are they 3D I mean, and it's just really tricky to perch yeah. the sandwich on it? It's just spaghetti <laughs> that just like drew dropped down the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Ben, did, did you mention torsion fields? Uh, the standing waves, I think, may be the same. But what are the torsion fields? It's it's just like the you know this just gentleman again. All this is coming from him, I think. Uh, believes that the pyramids are capable of communicating using torsion fields, which is like a theoretical physics concept, I believe. Um, it is a field that can travel faster than the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier, like a universal internet communication system. Right. Like literally universal. That's the idea. One day, maybe, uh, but it does not appear science is the source of what he has called those standing waves. And he's attributing it to this like mega advanced civilization that like they have this technology that we can't possibly wrap our hands around. Um, but yeah, we don't really have any evidence of this civilization or any, you know, fossil record or anything like that. I really just have, I mean, 
I don't know what it, what is it if it's not that? It's crazy looking. I'll tell you that you you can't Sometimes. understand it, mm-hmm. Noel. That's the whole point. Sometimes you I and feel, I and anybody else, we can't yeah. understand it. It's like Some, if you saw the face of God, your mind would just break. Sometimes a hill is just a hill, uh, which doesn't make it any less remarkable because nature is amazing and astonishing. Uh, there's there's something else here, you know, maybe not a conspiracy, but there's something very important that we need to understand, which is, I wish folks talked about this more often, archaeology is a weapon. It can be weaponized. It is used to to legitimate any number of claims um, and decisions to not engage in some digs are have been used in the past to prevent the legitimization of certain groups. This continues today. It's quite controversial in different parts of the world. And it tells us something about what we could call the political uses of archaeology. There's an anthropologist named Philip Cole over at Wellesley College who thinks that Osmanagich's attempts to create pyramids from these hills are part of a larger push to have a sense of identity, a sense of self-affirmation. Mm. And, and Cole raises, this is interesting to me, I'm, I'm not sure how far along I can go with it, but uh, Cole argues that when the iron curtain collapsed in the former Eastern Bloc, all these land and territorial claims came up and people had, quote, just lost their ideological moorings. So he says there's a great attraction in being able to say, we have great ancestors, we go back millennia, and we can claim these special places for ourselves. He says in some places, this is relatively benign. In others, it can be malignant. And it makes sense. I mean, it goes beyond tourism, right? There's there's this idea. It's very tempting, I think, if you feel connected to a place to hear that it is extraordinary, unique, special. Those are true of every place in the world, by the way. But to to hear that something maybe even supernatural is going on, maybe your home is the seat of a lost civilization, well, it's very tempting to associate yourself with that. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, you've got someone saying, I am descended from Atlantis, and nothing you can say will change my mind about that fact because now it is a part of my identity. I'm not saying that's conclusively what's happening with Osmanagic, uh, but it but it is It is interesting. Uh, And there's where I propose we leave it for today. Thank you so much, Zach Squatch. Uh, Your nickname made my absolute week. Do check out that 2017 episode about other pyramids. Uh, And thank you as well to uh, Jake. And thank you to Bronze Ranked Boomer. These are some great stories today. Oh, yeah. Lots of fun ones and some some food for thought with that gamer stuff. Um, it's just an interesting time <laughs> to be alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly learning about new, weird corners of the Internet uh, every day, which is weird considering we, like, live on the Internet. Um, but there's, there's, it never ceases to amaze me. And, Ben, I have to say, I just found that email from Papa Bolin, and now I've got his cell phone number. Nice. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you. i got to call your dad, dude. It's probably a burner by this point. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year. It's been three months. Who it's knows? probably true. Yeah. Well, if you want to take a page from our fellow conspiracy realists, uh, feel free. Write in. We'd love to hear from you, especially uh, with ideas for new topics that we can cover in episodes in the future. We try to be easy to find online. 
Oh boy, are we ever. You can find us at Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and also YouTube. Uh, and while you're on the internet, why don't you pop over to iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and leave us uh, a smashing five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. You can also give us a telephone call. It's true. That's right. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname or your name, however you want for us to refer to you as. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. Hey, uh, let us know if we can use your message on the air. That would be very helpful. And if you find that you've got more than three minutes worth of a message, we highly recommend that you instead shoot us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.